Safe Home Ireland was set up as a pilot project in January of 2000 by the local, uh, by a local GP, and the current chairperson, Dr. Jerry Crowley. At that time, as a rural GP and chairman of, of a voluntary housing scheme based in Mulrani, a number of people inquired about the possibility of their elderly relatives returning home, having emigrated earlier on in life. And publicity about the pilot project increased with queries coming from all over the world, highlighting the demand and the need for a separate organisation. Successful campaigning and support from the Department of Foreign Affairs ensured that Safe Home was registered as an organisation in its own right in 2002. And over the years, Safe Home has, it has evolved sim um, from simply providing housing for older Irish-born immigrants. Alongside this role, they now provide information and advisory service for anyone considering moving back to Ireland. And Karma Hugh is the Executive Director of same, Safe Home Ireland. She's based in Port Leash uh, because of the nature of the organisation, and we'll hear about that. And we're going to have a chat with Karen to find out the extent of the services that Safe Home Ireland provides, and uh, the, uh, if there are predominances in demographics, and we, it's t tends to be elderly, but let's say geographic demographics, etc. And uh, Karen, welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Returning immigrants, like for hundreds of years the Irish have emigrated, and there's always this desire to head back like the eels to the Saragossa Sea, but not just for at mating time, but to head back. Um, the call of, the, of home is always there. Um, for many, it just was something that they could never, they knew they could never have, and it was a pain that was within them. So since Safe Home Ireland has been established, have you seen or how many people would you think uh, off the top of your head might have come back home, settled, and found, lived the dream? Okay, well, since uh, Safe Home was set up in 2001 officially, we have supported 1,908 people secure accommodation and move back home permanently. So that's over a period of 17 years, um, which is quite a lot of people who actually have moved home. Uh, and as, the, as you said, the desires grow. Uh, for coming home. It's often a lifelong dream for many people to spend their, their retirement or their latter years in the land of their birth. So that's, I suppose, where Safe Home get, got involved originally to support that cohort that really just wanted to return to live in Ireland when they retired and wanted to spend their last 20, 30 years back at home. And we still support that group, as well as now advice and information to anybody of any age, regardless of their circumstances. For many, especially, again, older immigrants, um, and I would say in my case, you know, people ask me, would I, could I go back to Ireland? And I say, you know, when I emigrated, and I emigrated in 1988, Ireland was a very different place, and I was a very different person. So, in the last um, 29 years, the two roads have parted ways. It must be very difficult for somebody who has spent much of their life in a different culture coming back and settling into Ireland, particularly rural Ireland. Yes, for a lot of people it is very, very difficult. It's not it's not an easy return. I myself am a returned immigrant. I, I only went uh, as far as England, so not as far as Canada. However, 
I spent probably 15 years in London and I moved back to Ireland and I found it really difficult to settle. And I returned again to London for another four years and I've been back now since 2009. So it's, I think it's a challenge. However, if it's, if it's something that you do your research and you really know what you're doing and if you really make a clear decision and know it's the right decision at the time, I think, you know, with support, it can work out. And for many people, it's their dream and they're so happy that they've made that decision and they are back home. And that was something that I suppose they missed all their time away and they never quite let go of Ireland. And it's often a dilemma. You you have a part of you in Ireland and a part of you elsewhere. And that dilemma, as long as you, the far longer you live away, it gets much more and more difficult. Uh, will I come? Will I go? And we often find people just off, possibly, you know, somebody may say they have a hospital appointment, that their grandchild has been born, that they want to wait until their children go to school. So often it's 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 been put off often. However, um, we find that those who do most preparation before they come back settle better. So that's the research from whatever that might be, bringing your family back, bringing your pets back, uh, giving up your home where you have been. As long as you do all the research well in advance and know it's it's the, the right decision for them, the chances of settling are probably much better. What age group, um, if you were to put percentages on it, let's say, um, I, I, I'm assuming the majority would be retirees. Um, but then as you would look down through the the age groups below that, um, if you were to say how um, those that would be with uh, school-going kids um, and those that would be young had gone off and come back and reach out for help as well. But um, I, I'm assuming the majority would be retirees. Well, I mean, in terms of the people who would come back through safe home, the majority will be retirees. And that's because of the housing aspects of our work. So to be eligible to come back with safe home, a person, there are certain criteria that must be met. And their criteria that were set down, I guess, by the government once when we were set up in 2001, when amendments were, were made to um, legislation that older Irish people could return home if they chose to return home. So for our criteria, it's age 57 plus. Not on, not in a position to buy property in their own right, and to be capable of independent living and Irish-born immigrants. So they're the kind of criteria that were set um, back in 2001, and we would support people to come back through housing in that age cohort. However, there are so many others who we find even in recent times families. Um, Younger people, people who have partners from another, you know, born into, live abroad and have partners from another country and want to come back. Um, what we find with children, that once children come along, often people want to come back because they want their children to be near their, maybe the grandparents, the support networks, etc. So it's never, it's never that straightforward that it is just, you know, one age cohort at all. But for our our aspect of, of housing, it's 57 plus. 
Karen, explain your aspect of housing to me. To what extent and, and how do you support somebody that's coming back? Okay, so somebody, um, I think the process begins with somebody having an initial inquiry about considering returning home. What we will do then, we send them out our safe home application and that's a housing application as per se and that's basically the same application as will be completed for all local authorities here in Ireland. So what somebody must do first is meet our criteria to be eligible for housing. How that works is fill in our form, depending on where they're from, they would generally be moving back to their native areas, so wherever they were born. What we then do is we can then um, complete a housing application form with the person for the local council, be it Galway, Dublin, whichever, and they must have a local connection to be eligible uh, to be accepted on the list. The next stage then, more or less, is the person then uh, is accepted by housing and is eligible for social housing. So we don't provide our own housing. We access housing through voluntary housing bodies dotted literally right across the country. So there are housing bodies in little villages and little towns right across the country. So when they have vacancies, we then will look at our applicants and see if somebody matches the criteria or the area. And generally, the person may be offered an offer of accommodation. And then that's where we then kick in, where we get everything else set up in advance of the person returning. And when the person returns, we would then go and meet them and do all the different paperwork, whatever that is. Uh, there is a bureaucracy of paper to be done here. I'm sure it's similar in Canada, but here it's 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 a minefield of information that people need to complete. So we will work through that whole process with the applicants, with the person who returns, and just give them that as well support to get back accepted in again, because it is immigration again. So it's not coming back home as per se, it is immigration to a new country because Ireland has changed. Every day, every month, every year, this country changes. So also do you change. So that kind of transition, emotional support, the whole reintegration in the community, that's where we try and assist, where we try and hold the person's hand for a period of time until they can get settled and they feel that it's, it's um, you know, it's, it's the right decision for them and that they're fairly connected into their local community. So it's a, it's a process and it takes quite a long time. So somebody who may pick up the phone, then they're considering returning home to actual return home. For some, it might be six months. For others, it might be years. So it all depends on, um, I suppose it depends. On one, on availability of housing is one aspect and the second would really be whether the person is ready to come home at that particular time. No, you just raised, and it was, it was sorry, so, Karen, it was the question I was actually going to come to you just raised is availability housing. Because, uh, you know, uh, anyone who keeps uh, an eye on the Irish media understands that there's a housing crisis, and I understand that's predominantly in Dublin. Uh, however, it's not only in Dublin, there's other areas it is. And housing is expensive, and there's people in Ireland, all over Ireland, who would be on housing lists. Um, mm-hmm. And likewise, access to. Um, social services, whether it be um, getting yourself a doctor, getting health coverage, um, an awful lot of other um, things that we just accumulate along the way when we live somewhere. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
how if I if I pick up the phone to you and I fall under the correct category and I say, you know, I'm I, I want some help and I'd like to uh. move to um, you know, the whether it be Port Leash, Athlone, uh-huh. Westport uh-huh. or whatever. There's a waiting list, I would imagine, in a lot of these places for housing. Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose there is a housing challenge in Ireland. And so I'm not saying challenge rather than just crisis. There are nearly 200,000 vacant properties in Ireland as well. So if we had, uh, you know, we're able to release some of the property that's vacant, which is lying idle, and often that's been repossessed by the banks or it's in the hands of vulture funds or whatever, whatever, whatever that may be. Um, there are units of vacant dotted all over the country. So I suppose we would, like many other housing bodies here, would challenge our homeless crisis because we have housing to accommodate the crisis. It's just, um, I suppose, the will and the... Uh, where all to release some of this property that is lying idle within my own home distance I have at least 10 properties that were lived in and they were finished and they were beautiful houses um, one actually person immigrated to Canada their house was repossessed because they lost their, their jobs five years later that house is lying idle and it was a lived in house so I suppose that's kind of not that's getting away from us a slight bit however there, that's I suppose the politics and the policies of Ireland. We there are a number of local authorities now who are employing um, empty property empty property officers to try and get this empty property back in use. So the housing for older people in particular is housing stock that's available only for that age cohort, and it is generally the local authority have nomination rights. Um, from all housing associations. So if a housing association has a development of, let's say, seven uh, units for older people, the, the housing association can get 25% of that to, say, form or to, uh, um, in their own right, they can make choices to who they will accept. So that's generally, we have nomination rights to 25% of all properties available, and that's you know, I suppose a, a unique situation that we are able to access that type of accommodation. So getting accommodation in the area where you choose can be difficult. We have applicants coming from literally right all over the country. And people are generally quite specific and the local authorities are also quite specific as if you come from um trying to think uh, an area that is more well known Ballinasloe, you know, you will you will need to go to Ballinasloe rather than to Aston Rye possibly. So it's getting available accommodation in that particular area is the challenge for people who are over fifty seven. So you know, I, I suppose I'm kind of like confusing it a slight bit now, but there are units available and we can access accommodation if somebody really wants to come home and is really ready to come home, we would do our utmost best to ensure that we can secure some unit of accommodation for them. However, in Dublin, it is a little bit more difficult um, and it is a challenge because we would probably have most, the large percentage of our applicants would be from Dublin, obviously, because the population is, is proportionately larger than anywhere else in the country. So the larger a uh, number of applicants are from Dublin and from, you know, Cork, Galway, Limerick as well. 
If it's from City, it is more difficult. So if somebody's coming back to Gobi City, uh, Limerick City, Cork City, there are schemes in all of those areas, but sometimes it's about waiting until the vacancy occurs. Um, so that can be the challenge. However, for families and younger people, that's where there are huge, huge challenges. Huge challenges. So if a family is deciding to come back and they have no right, automatic right, from abroad to apply or secure social housing. So when they come back, they would generally uh, have need to uh, avail of private rented housing, which is a huge, huge challenge here at the moment. There are, is a glut of, um, or an absence, should I say, of vacant, of uh, private rented housing, particularly in the cities. So that can be difficult. In Dublin, the cost of rents have gone up dramatically. So if somebody is coming back from Canada as a family unit and are going to Dublin, they would find it really difficult and they would need to have a lot of money saved to pay for rent um, until either they want to, you know, apply, uh, buy property or apply for social housing. However, it's much, much more difficult for single people and for families, I would have to say. The, the cohorts that come through Safe Home for Housing, we will do our utmost best to secure social housing because it is enshrined in the legislation here that people over 57 can access social housing from abroad. So we do our utmost best to try and secure units for them. However, for families and younger people, there is no such um, sort of supports, uh, despite our lobbying, etc. And it is something we would advocate for that you know, there should be a certain number of units in every local authority that would support returning immigrants. Um, but that hasn't happened yet. So, Karen, the other question then would be, you know, if, for example, if somebody arrives here in Canada, or and I'm sure it's the same everywhere else, you have to establish residency for a period of time before you're entitled to access to the healthcare system. And there would be other things that uh, I know for education, I understand that if somebody is to has, let's say, they go back as a family unit, uh, that they need to establish residency for a period of time in order to be eligible for their children to be eligible for um, free education. The other thing being, I understand there are waiting lists, although I do see that there's a change in um, due, where there are waiting lists for schools. Uh, and again, these uh-huh. tend to be younger people. But going back to things like uh-huh. particularly eligibility for uh, health. Yeah, well, there are all sorts of challenges here um, at the moment, I have to say, and there are all sorts of barriers. And that's one of the things we would continuously, I suppose, challenge and advocate for. Um, there are the, the access to health services. If you come to a rural area, the availability of GPs might be quite limited and to be able to get on a GP list, not even in rural areas, in fairness, even here in where I'm based in Port Leash, it's nearly impossible to get a GP because their lists are all full. So these are some of the barriers that and challenges that if somebody is coming back, they will face this difficulty. They um, may have to go 20 miles to have a, a GP. So that's just that was the one thing in terms of accessing GP. And the GP is the gateway into other services and the medical services. Um, we don't have a national health service and obviously that makes it more difficult. The prices of seeing a GP average between 650 and 70 euro, I'd say. So any one visit to a GP costs that. It is quite expensive. And then you have your medication on top of that. There, it is 
possible to apply for a medical card or for a GP card depending on your circumstances and they are means tested and they are difficult there would be a waiting list or an assessment period turnaround time of probably between 8 and 12 weeks and that can be difficult if someone gets into you know health issues um, when they, they come back initially However, there are emergency services there in every area. There's care doc, my doc, etc. So there are out of hours doctor services available that anyone can access, and you pay. So you pay on the um, and on the entry point. There's also the emergency service in hospitals, which are also in a crisis. Our casualty uh, EME services are are certainly um, struggling at the moment. In terms of education and access to third level education or even first level education, the third level education, any person who's lived abroad for more than, I think, three years, if they come back, they would be generally classed as an international student and therefore would have a period of a waiting time. Or if they lived abroad all their lives and wanted their children to come back to go to university in Ireland, for the first three years, they would be classed as international students, so they would be paying international fees and not Irish fees. That can be that's hugely difficult, but that's the same applied to everybody who moves to Ireland or any other migrant who moves to Ireland. They have to wait the same time as well. Um, the access to first level and second level equally, there are difficulties getting school, and that's. Sometimes related to the patronage issue as well. So um, they're looking at removing the, the patronage of schools from just being Catholic schools, where people have to prove they're, they're I suppose, um, practicing Catholics and that they are eligible for places, or where they are um, need to go to a school where their their parents or their cousins or their brothers or sisters went to school. So those lists can be quite restrictive. However, there's a lot happening at the moment to uh, remove those obstacles and the changing of the the um, sort of patronages of schools is one of the bigger ones for many we find who are returning. You know, they, they may not all be of the Catholic persuasion and they certainly, if they have partners, uh, may not equally be Catholic. So that excludes people immediately based on your religion, which is, a, uh, you know, is discriminatory. And um, so some of the issues that come up all the time is car insurance and that's for, for many coming back home that can be quite difficult if you've driven abroad for a long long time the big car insurance can be very very expensive we had somebody just returned from Australia a couple of weeks ago yeah just coming up about seven weeks and was classed as a new driver on the road basically who had driven abroad for a long period of time didn't have full no claims bonus however if they had full no claims bonus it was I think it was about two and a half thousand without that uh, it was uh, seven thousand just over seven thousand so that's a huge pass to have to, to to meet and it's you know this particular person was possibly able to do it in year one but certainly wouldn't be able to do it in year two year three onwards um, now there are our new minister for the dias- responsibility for the diaspora here in Canon has recently announced that there will be some guidelines around insurance for returning immigrants. So we're waiting to to see what that will be because it's an issue we raise constantly and comes up constantly 
uh, for people who are returning. Access to employment, I suppose, is another challenge. Unless you're returning to Dublin or cities, you know, the employment situation is still difficult in Ireland. Those who left Ireland, many left because of employment reasons, not only. However, they will know the, it's the reason they left and, you know, the, the amount of work that's available in the area they left, they need to really, really research if that's, if things have changed. Um, however, it's, you know, the, the, the economy seemingly is improving. Uh, however, I suppose being a West of Ireland-based organisation in County Mayo, we certainly would not see the rural areas doing as well as, let's say, Dublin. So they're just some of the challenges and um, the barriers that we would certainly see for many people, among lots and lots of others. You know, if your family's still abroad, it's very, very hard to leave and let go. And there's a part of you still in two countries. If you come back and your children or grandchildren are in another country, that's really, really, really can be quite difficult. And that's where the, you know, this this emotional pain uh, is is great for some people because their desire to come home was so great. And then when they're home, you know, they miss, miss lives, miss family, miss children, miss the social connections because, you know, what was in Ireland then isn't now. Things have changed. Life has changed. And that's that was a huge issue we would see as kind of the, the culture shock when people come back. It's not what it was. And many people still have that, I suppose, image of it was, coming back to what they left behind um, but things have changed and move on generally for the better I have to say Well Karen we'll, we'll wrap it up here and we'll give some coordinates um, this, the website is safehomeireland.com and uh, you can find out lots there um, Karen said there are people located around the country they're not all in one office in Dublin they're scattered and they offer their support service in that way but <laughs> the big, big message here is uh, certainly if you've been out of Ireland a long time uh, maybe not so long but certainly if you've been out of Ireland a long time and you're considering going back even if you don't have a housing requirement and you are independent to the point that you can afford to buy a house you would certainly lose nothing by either sending an email picking up phone reaching out asking questions and asking for guidance would that be a fair summary? Definitely and we would certainly suggest that people do their what we call their homework do the homework well in advance and make sure to budget as well. We'd certainly um, encourage people to, if possible, if they're returning for work, to arrange employment in advance and equally to arrange accommodation in advance if that's possible, if they're not coming back through ourselves. And certainly the, the other is really to embrace change, that it is going to be different. It's not going to be um, as was. And just to be prepared for that. That's the emotional preparation that's really, really important. However, I will have to say, as a twice-returned immigrant myself, there's still a little bit of me in England, in London, where I, I love my life. However, I have to say, overall, it's the right decision, and I'm very happy. And certainly for many of our applicants and many people who return home to live will probably say the same, um, but you need to give it time to settle first. There's no point in saying six months or one year. You just give it a time until you think, right, this is right for me. And it's much harder to go back if you haven't settled. However, if that's the case and someone just does not settle here, we are able to, you know, try and support that person or try and link that person back in if we can, if they've come back to a safe home. 
we will do our best because at the end of the day, it's really important for somebody to be happy where they're living, be it in Ireland or be it abroad, and to be content in themselves. And we wouldn't say you're home forever because that's not always possible for everyone. So uh, just pick up the phone. If there's any advice, information, uh, we provide outreach home support as well to anybody throughout 26 counties. And if you also want to sign up to get our uh, newsletter on www.faithfulmarlin.com we'd be delighted to support anybody even just have an initial chat about what's involved Karen McHugh Chief Executive Officer of Faithful Marlin thanks a million for chatting with us thank you very much for the opportunity